Good morning. Good morning. And what a joy it is to be with you here in this place at Myers Park United Methodist Church. And for those who are joining us online, we are so thankful you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, if you've been visiting with us for a few Sundays, what a joy it is to have you back. It is just warms our heart that you know that you come here and you find a place to connect. And one of the ways that we can help one another do that is find the pew pads on the end of each pew. Those who are online worshipers, find the pew pad there. Just fill out some information. We want to be able to connect with you and have you plug into the life and the ministries of our church. And my friend and colleague Bill Roth is going to share how you can do that. Thank you, Nathan. It's so good to have all of you here with us in worship today. I would invite you to look at this week's in Myers Park and see all the many ways. You know, fall's just around the corner. It's time to get back involved in the life of this church and service. Uh, one of the ways that you can be involved in this church here is in our music program. They're taking registrations now for the choir, for the bell choirs, all those different ways. You don't have to play the piano here like Sue and Nathan did, but you can still join the choir and be a joyful, make a joyful noise into the Lord. So we hope you'll consider being involved in the life of this church. Check it out. And now we invite you to be in an attitude of worship.
affirmation of faith this morning is the Apostle Creed. It's numbered 881 in the back of your hymnals. Let us unite in this historic confession of our Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried, the third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It is our joy and privilege to invite Ford, Hallie, Kate Drawn, daughter of Jordan and Baxter Drawn, and Miller, Caroline Self, daughter of Virginia and Blake Self for Holy Baptism. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ. Holy Church, we are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and give her new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. So on behalf of the whole church, I ask you now, do you accept the freedom and power that God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sins? If so, say, we do. Do you confess Christ as your Savior, put your trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord? If so, say, we do. And will you nurture these children in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves, to profess their faith openly, and to lead a Christian life? If so, say, we will. And to you, the members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, will you include these families now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? Will you surround these families with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others? And will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, say, we will. We will. Let us pray. Eternal God, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water, and after the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. 
In the fullness of time you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. And he called the disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit on the gift of this water and those who receive it to wash away their sin and clothe them in righteousness through their lives that dying and being raised with Christ they may share in the final victory. Amen. Hey, beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hallie, Kate, drawn. I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Miller, Caroline, self, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved children of God, know that you are light bearers into this world. May you let your light shine all your life. I invite you to turn now to your worship bulletins to the prayer of confession which is printed there. Let us confess our sins before God and one another. Let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. And hear the good news this morning. Christ died for us while we're yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Good morning. 
Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 14, beginning with the 22nd verse. Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was many furlongs distant from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately he spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Have no fear. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, O oh man of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. When you do, where do you find yourself lingering? This is a question that I reflect on often. It may seem odd, though what it does for me is helps me be more present, attentive, and cognizant of my surroundings, especially with people that I'm surrounded by. You see, I find various people groups and people to be quite intriguing and at times entertaining. Let's just name that. And so anytime that I have an opportunity to linger around people, whether it's different folks for myself, around my family, different cultural settings, I want to be fully there. I want to learn a new custom. I want to learn a new word. I want to new, learn a new way of doing things, or one of my most great passions is cooking. I want to learn how to cook a new dish. So I want to linger. I want to stay with. I want to be present and attentive. And it's important so that we can grow and learn together. This past spring, I led a small group on a book titled Beyond Welcome, written by a good friend of mine, Karen Gonzalez. You see, the premise of this book is to consider how Christ's followers might extend themselves and their connections within a community to be hospitable to the newcomers from near and far. And a part of this uh, book study is what I did for them was give them homework. And I got looks of, why are you giving us homework? We were just supposed to read a chapter at a time. We're not in grade school anymore. But I found this homework to be engaging and exciting and hopefully joyful for them. So on this particular evening of assigning homework, I said to the class, I said, I want you to go into a grocery store or a small market 
where you don't usually shop for your groceries. Extra credit, I was always a fan of extra credit, so I gave it out. Extra credit if this store does not speak English as their first language. And while you are there, just linger. Just be and buy a snack to bring back to class next week. You see, I wanted the class to immerse themselves, albeit briefly, into a space and a setting that wasn't all that familiar and comfortable for them. I wanted them to experience what it meant to be minority just for a brief moment. And everyone did the assignment, and we did have delicious snacks, to be sure. What was more joyful, though, was the conversations around their experience of lingering in a community setting where they typically wouldn't find themselves. Feedback was, well, my place that I went only had one clerk working, and so there was a long line, and people were chattering, people were telling stories, but I don't know what they were saying because I don't speak this language. Another story was multiple lanes, multiple cashiers, packed full of people. Same thing, chatter, engagement, people living their lives. But I think one of my favorite stories that came back was this one classmate went into this one store on the corner near a diverse apartment setting and said it was really neat because you could tell that as the people came in to shop that they were buying that evening's groceries for their meals and everyone was known by name. They developed relationship. They developed that community right there in the store. I love how they just took time to linger and listen in those places. And I think about this as we consider what Jesus is teaching us today from this scripture of Matthew. You see, Jesus hung around with a crowd. Jesus hung around with a large crowd. If you remember, the section of scripture right before this was the feeding of the 5,000, and as Matthew writes, plus the women and children that were there. So we know that there was a lot of people gathered on this hillside. A lot of people were there, and Jesus intentionally chose to linger with that crowd. Now, disciples being disciples, at the point where it was getting close to dinner, was like, hey, Jesus, they need to go because we don't have enough food for them. And one of the first commandments in this passage comes out, and Jesus looks them, I feel, sternly in the eye and says, you give them something to eat. How are we supposed to do that? Only five, five loaves and two fish? What are we supposed to do? And Jesus showed him exactly what to do by leaning into God's abundance, and there was plenty for people to eat. The disciples wanted to send him on. Jesus wanted to set an example of what it meant to linger, what it meant to stay, what it meant to hear, what it meant to take care of these people, what it meant to heal and be with them. You see, Jesus took the time. He took that time, that precious time, to sit and be in that space. So when we think about Jesus lingering with the crowd into the evening, it's really not all that surprising, is it? This is who Jesus was, the one who came with and for the world, with and for the people, with and for the vulnerable populations, with and for those who are called to follow him so that he might set an example for all the disciples and all of us of what it means to linger. 
He set that example in this passage for us. Learning by example is important. That's how the majority of us have learned and become who we are today. We've watched somebody, we've interacted with somebody that has set a beautiful example or not so beautiful examples of how to interact with one another. We learn through example. Molly and I, my wife, are, we are in the throes of it right now with a five-year-old and four-year-old. We had quite a weekend. Let's just say an at-home haircut took place. Um, that was fun. And anyways, she's still beautiful. She always will be. And we are in the throes of it. And we are doing our best to set quality examples of how we want our children to live at school, out into the world, and in and around their friends when they get together. We want our children to be example setters for their classmates. And sometimes I'll go to Carter and I'll look at him in his sweet little eyes and I say, Carter, I really want you to set a good example for your little sister. I need you to show her how to do things. And so sometimes that's interpreted as elbow drops off the back of the couch. And other times it's taking her sweet hand and showing her how to cross the street and looking both ways. And we'll look at Cameron and say, well, we want you to set an example um, for your brother. Can you be kind and reciprocate this kindness to one another? Though for them to really truly understand that, what Molly and I have to do is set a good example of how for them to treat one another by being thoughtful, by being gentle, by being tender and compassionate with one another, and of course, passionately cheering on the Atlanta Braves. Setting good examples means you indoctrinate them early on with these healthy practices that they learn what it means to be compassionate, what they mean, what it means to be tender, what it means to treat their neighbors such as that. Setting those examples truly matter. And this is what Jesus was up to. He was setting these examples one-on-one -on -one and large crowds. He was taking the time to show us exactly how Christ wants us to live, not rushed and hurried. We live in a culture and a world that loves to rush and hurry us. People love to have their to-do list. They love to check it off and say, look what I've done. Look what I got accomplished today. Look how great I was today. And that's great. It feels good to check off lists. It feels good to get those to-dos out of the way. It really does. Though I, what I would think that Jesus would challenge us on is as we are holding up that to-do list, do we take time and extra time to listen to that hurting coworker? Do we take time to celebrate a family member's big accomplishment? Do we take time just to listen to the cries of the world and linger in the places where people are hurting and striving for more? Are we taking time and lingering in those important intersections of life? I think what Jesus is teaching us here, after he has commanded the disciples to get in the boat and go across the sea, and then as he easily dismissed the crowds, he's teaching us, slow it down. You see, Jesus could have hurried the crowds along, but he didn't. I think it's very important for us to pay attention to that that Jesus stayed with the crowds after he sent the disciples on. He stayed to linger with them and to hear of their continued struggles. And then as he eased them on, Jesus sets another wonderful example for us. 
The crowds are gone, the disciples are gone, and he chooses to go up to the mountaintop to go and pray. To go and pray, to go and have conversation with God, to linger with God, to draw closer to God in order to draw closer to those whom he was going to minister with and to in the coming hours. Setting an example of prayer and why we need to linger with God in prayer. Over these past few years, we have developed as a church a remarkable relationship with First United Methodist Church in McAllen, Texas, and also an organization, Catholic Charities Respite Center. And as we have done in this relationship building, we have learned of this wonderful sister there. Her name is Sister Norma. Sister Norma runs the Catholic Charities Respite Center, and she lingers with some of the world's most vulnerable people, asylum seekers, those who are home insecure, food insecure, those facing addiction, and those who just want to get out of the scorching heat of Texas. And they all come to this respite center, and they find just that rest and care. On one particular chance, when I was down there with a team from our church and from First McAllen, we were gathered in the respite center, and we were circled up with Sister Norma. And she was going through her list of what she was up to for that day and what they were facing and how many folks they expected to come through their building and how they were waiting to see if any other volunteer groups were going to come. And it came to a pause in the conversation, and I looked to Sister Norma. I said, this is my opportunity. I said, Sister Norma, will you share with our team here how you tirelessly and day in and day out, never skipping a beat, care for all these vulnerable people? How do you do it? How do you sustain this energy? It was great. I had her exactly where I wanted her. I wanted her to be captivated in this moment because she was going to give this whole lengthy spiritual regiment of her life of how she prepares, how she enters each and every single day. And my team would be even more enamored with her. She took a quick breath. She looked me right in the eyes. And she said, prayer. Prayer. That was it. That is it. Prayer, lingering with God so that we might have clarity of how to linger and be with the vulnerable. Prayer so that we know how to be with the secure and the insecure, the well-to-do and the not well-to-do, the family and the non-family, the stranger and the familiar. Prayer in any life circumstances will prepare you how to engage in those moments. See, Jesus commands the disciples, they leave. Jesus eases the crowds, they leave. And what does Jesus immediately do? He leaves to go in prayer. Jesus went to go to pray to reconnect and strengthen his spiritual resolve for what was before him on the other side of the sea and also what was happening on top of the sea in the boat. And what was before him was another crowd and community that would want them to linger and offer healing. You see, prayer should play such an integral role in our lives. And not just when times are going bad or disruptive. You see, we hear Peter doing that when he shouts out to Jesus. You see, Peter saw Jesus, right? And he says, let me do this. Let me walk on the water with you. And Jesus says, come on, it's right here. Come and do it. And then when Peter saw the wind blowing, he got scared and he began to sink. 
And then Peter offers a very powerful three-word prayer. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. He reaches out his hand, and Jesus does just that. He reaches down and pulls him up. Lord, save me. Whether it are these three words that you have cried out to God from the depths of your soul or not, we have all been there in bad and disruptive and chaotic times and hard times of our lives where we're reaching out and saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And Jesus, as Jesus would, and God as God would, and the Spirit as the Spirit would, is lingering right there with us, taking our hand and pulling up as we cry out, Lord, save me. To be sure, these prayers matter. And prayer should be constant. It should be the way in which we start and end and order our days. Prayer ought not to be cheapened to a conditional statement or bartering chip with God. Prayer is more than that and more crucial to our spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. I barter with my kids. Pick up this so you can have this. Clean up your room so you can do this. But prayer isn't a time for such if-then statements or condition. Prayer prepares and readies our hearts and minds for what situation might be before us or whatever is stirring within us. And prayer is hard. And I have to confess it right now. This is not trivial. This is true. I need to improve my prayer life. I remember a time when I was over at South Tryon with former Pastor Ray McKinnon, and it was after worship. And this woman came in after worship, and she sat down with both of us and says, I just need to share with you what's going on in my life. And it was a hard situation for her family and for her neighbors. And also she was dealing with a physical matter. And so Ray and I were both deeply drawn into the story. And as she concluded, she just says, can you pray for me? And I chimed in quickly and I said, absolutely, we will pray for you. And an awkward silence fell in the room. And Ray looked at me and he says, we'll pray said, okay. I missed the cue to linger in prayer in that exact moment. I had tucked away her concerns and was going to pray later, but not right then as she reached out and said, Lord, save me. There's probably many people in your circles of relationships Many folks that you can encounter each and every single day, if we take time to linger, that you will hear the cry, save me, help me, feed me, care for me, love me. The voice is crying out, and it is our responsibility to hear those cries and be there with them. Just simply might be offering a prayer. Again, I need to improve my prayer life, and I'm willing to bet that that's the case for some of you here as well that I'm not alone in that. And here's the good thing. You're not alone in that either. And I find comfort in that. And not comfort in a way where we just sit back and say, okay, well, I need to improve, but we never work towards it. Or where we think we're isolated and it's only us. But we can take comfort, and then we look around here this morning, seeing our friends, seeing fellow worshipers that can help us stay responsible and accountable to prayer. 
to our walk as disciples, to holding on to the promises of the ways of Jesus and loving and nourishing one another. Prayer. So as the story goes, the disciples with Jesus, once the storm has calmed down, reach the other side of the sea into another community with another crowd, with more sick and ailing people, with those hurting and those who were curious. And as they left their boats, the disciples and Jesus began to love and care for this crowd, for the individuals, for themselves, for the collect that it was that day. And what was it that empowered them to do this work? What was it that strengthened them to heal? What was it that opened the eyes and hearts of the disciples to meet the people where they were and see them worthy and as beloved children of God? What is it that strengthens us today? What is it that strengthens us to serve? What is it that gives us the vision to see our neighbors as beloved children of God? What is it that equips us to linger with individuals and crowds? What is it that enables us to endure the storms of life? What is it that strengthens us when we don't have anything else to say or do? And what is it that affirms God's presence when nothing else can? What is it, church? It's prayer. Let us be in an attitude of prayer. Most merciful and patient God, as we linger here to hear your word this day, calm our spirits and still our minds so we can receive your message with clarity and to respond in faithfulness. We praise you for the many ways you come to us. In moments of fear, you speak with words of reassurance. In moments of doubt, you reach out your hand to hold. In moments of turmoil, you bring calm to the storm. Now strengthen us to live with courage and perseverance. Lord, in your mercy, surprising and mysterious God, you come to us when we least expect it, calling us out of our routines and plans, inviting us to follow Christ into new opportunities and ministries. We pray for all who face upheaval and uncertainty, whatever the cause. Fill our hearts with compassion and understanding for the fearful. We pray for those who struggle with illness or grief this day, and we especially remember the family of Janet Bradshaw in their time of loss and grief. Equip each of us to reach out in every way we can so that we might embody your love in our words and our deeds and our actions. Lord, in your mercy. 
God of hope, you challenge us. You come to us during the world's troubles and invite us to stand for truth and to work for justice. We pray all those people crying out for fair treatment, working against racism and discrimination. Open our hearts with understanding and motivate us to act with mercy and justice for all your people. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for those who resist the stories of injustice and defend inequality. We ask, Lord, that you would open their minds to the truth they deny and show them new possibilities for relationships that bridges divides. Now send your spirit to work in our communities to help create mutual respect and new ways for us to live together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Faithful God, we place our trust in you and your purposes, asking that you would answer our prayers according to your wisdom and your will. For we offer them humbly in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying as we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All the great ministries and missions of this church are made possible in one way and one way only, through your gracious gifts and giving. On behalf of the lives that will be touched this week, by your giving here today, I offer you their thanks. Ushers, if you will come.
faithful and loving God, bless the gifts we bring to you today. Use them and us to plant seeds of faith, hope, and love in the world so that your goodness will flourish and your name be honored. For it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. family stand and rejoice in this promise that God lingers with us that Christ is with us that the Spirit is with us calling and ushering into places where we might be able to linger in prayer and conversation and by just being look for those opportunities this week
go down, peace. Mm-hmm.